0: You've seen the big plays. Jaron stepping to his right, looking, looking, stopping, firing, end zone, touchdown! You've heard what the playmakers and coaches have had to say. Up for a three? got it! But now it's time to go behind the mic with BYU sports broadcasters to get their distinctive take on the games. Oh, what an aggressive play!
1: This is Behind the Mic with host Cleon Wall. We're here to bring you unique insights and stories from the BYU sports broadcasters who cover the Cougars and from the Cougars themselves. I love to play and watch basketball, though my playing days are behind me. But watching BYU men's basketball this past season was a bit painful at times. Mark Pope called it his grand experiment, especially since he brought in three new guys through the transfer portal. So, was the portal the problem? And what does that mean for the three new guys arriving this season? A couple of other basketball fans and hosts of BYU Sports Nation, Spencer Linton and Jeremy Jordan, join me to talk Cougar hoops, the transfer portal and what we could expect from the new Hoopsters who will roam the Marriott Center in BYU's first season in the Big 12. We see lots of transfers in football. You know, three or four or maybe even ten transfers in football, it's not really that big of a deal because you've got like 80-plus guys on your team. But when you hear three or four guys transferring in or transferring out from BYU's basketball team— to me, and you can tell me if I'm crazy, and I know Spencer and, and Jeremy will probably tell me I'm crazy. I think you're crazy. Okay, thank you. Oh, we got that out of the way. Yes. Uh, that can be a that can be a seismic shift. I, I love, uh, by the way, I love the transfer portal because it gives us something to talk about. Yes, it gets fans excited, um, and there's also kind of a sense of mystery. It's like, who is this guy? What is he going to do for my team? How good how good is he going to be until the the team starts? But but mystery can also lead to a lack of chemistry. Do you kind of agree or disagree about what's going on with this basketball team that maybe the transfer portal hasn't been as kind as as you kind of hoped?
0: I think it's actually been better than we think. I just think last year it wasn't as good as we were hoping for, and that's sort of the last taste in our mouth. But if you look at um, Jake Toulson coming over uh, that first year, keeping Yoli Childs from not uh, graduating and, and going pro, right? He um, eventually, you know, I think graduated, but... Um, Then you get Brandon Averett, you get Matt Harms, you get Alex Barcelo. These guys won a lot of games, uh, especially 1920 and 2021. is going to be a six seed that COVID year. The next year they were a six seed at large, which is the highest at large BYU's ever had, um, tying the 81 team that was uh, a 6 and went to the Elite 8. I think it's been better than we think. It did not deliver in the way we were hoping last season or the season before a, a, a little bit. I think generally it's been pretty good. And then this year we feel like BYU has improved its roster following the departures of Rudy Williams and Kenny and George.
2: Yeah, certainly. And, and I think that there is a tendency to kind of get lost in the recency bias. And it's because it feels compacted because BYU hasn't made the NCAA tournament two years in a row. But I think people forget that before – Richard Harward had to exit the season in game number one with an enlarged heart scenario. And then Gavin Baxter against Utah Valley in the first half blows out his knee again. You're talking about losing your top two big men. Like, BYU was number 12 in the country. They had beaten Oregon. Like, they were doing some really nice things. If you keep one of those big men, BYU probably, in my opinion, makes the NCAA tournament instead of settling in for a two-seed in the NIT.
0: And we're third-round NIT. (laughs) So it's not like BYU had a bad year.
2: They were one win away from going to another NIT Final Four. It just put more pressure on Alex Barcelo to kind of have to carry everything, and he carried a lot in that 2021-2022 BYU basketball season. But I I think, yeah, some BYU fans kind of get lost in the circle of, well, it's been two years in a row since BYU's made the tournament, Pope's striking out in the transfer portal, and it's like, did did he strike out? Only one out
0: of four years, I would argue.
2: The majority of the years, the transfer portal has been good for BYU basketball, like monumentally good in some instances. When you bring up guys like Alex Barcelo and even Matt Harms, who was the prized commit in the entire transfer portal that offseason. He was the most desired commit.
0: He might be the best player that BYU's gotten out of the portal in any sport ever. Like like he was... Huge. He was the starting center on a Sweet 16 team in the Big Ten in basketball. Like BYU got that guy he helped in the BYU COVID year, earn a number six he, seed. I think BYU got him because of the COVID year, because of how weird it was, and there was nothing going on. But BYU fans won these polls on Twitter that year. Cosmo won best mascot. BYU fans won best took second uh, best fans. Matt was seeing that and had just seen the 1920 team take down Gonzaga on a Saturday night when they were ranked second. Yes. Like, that was big time. I, I think that it's been better than we think. Yeah. It, it, and from big-time programs. Think about it. Purdue and Arizona and former guys that went to Oklahoma State. Yes. Uh, and Brandon Averitt and then eventually Rudy Williams, right?
2: Even this year with Quez Glover, a guy who started at the University of Florida. Yep. Okay? I mean, there, there are some dudes that are coming into BYU's program. I, I know this audience... Should be able to appreciate what an accumulative GPA means. Like, if we're looking at the four to five years that Mark Pope has been the head coach, let's call last year, I don't know, a C minus in the transfer portal. The years before. I'm used that, to that at BYU for
0: my academic the, the, the years Hey-o. The <laughs> years
2: before, Cleon, it has been. A minus, A, B plus. Like yeah. BYU's coaching staff in the transfer portal specifically have a good cumulative GPA on the and grade role. average. We're on the average. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which in high school I was good. But at BYU, <laughs> school got in the way of my education. You gotta
2: take a big picture perspective. Sure. And and we'll see what happens this year. Like right. with the big twelve coming into play and like the three new gentlemen that are coming in.
0: And maybe there's more. BYU's not done. They're still recruiting for this year. Yeah.
2: I,
1: I want to get to those guys here in a second. And you mentioned one of them in Quez Glover. And that brings me to the point guard position. Yes, I'm going to be that guy who is captured by the most recent season, okay? But you it, just hang with me here, okay? You can say point guard, starting guard, lead guard, whatever you want to call them. It's been interesting. BYU's gone from T.J. Hawes to Brandon Averitt to T. John Lucas to Rudy Williams. And now we're going to Quez Glover. That's five, you could say, lead guards in five years. And, and 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 you guys mentioned Alex Barcello was in there helping out. Jake Toolson was in there helping out. Funny enough, as you guys mentioned, they were also transfers. Have we seen too much turnover at the lead guard position, or am I making too much of a big deal about this? And really the team just kind of needs to play better and gel a
2: little bit.
0: Better. I ha- It's a fair question. I have argued this, and on the air is... Okay, yeah, roster turnover, but also like growing old and cultivating BYU's number one recruiting advantage, which is members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that already want to go to BYU. That's an inherent advantage. Most universities don't have that kind of advantage. Yet, BYU is attracting really good talent from all over the place, literally all over the world, which is pretty cool. BYU has three players from Africa uh, on the team, which is incredible, right? Um, replacing Gideon George with Ali uh, Khalifa, which we'll talk about in a second, is, well, does BYU have time to allow the development of someone who needs to be signed out of high school, finishes their senior year, goes on a mission for two years, and then they need maybe a year or two to develop? Does BYU have four to five years to sort of wait for that? The argument is no, and especially in the Big 12. It doesn't mean BYU is not going to sign kids who are going on missions. They certainly have signed Colin Chandler, and he's a big deal. But I think BYU is going to be more in the we-need-a-guy-who-can-do-something-this-year-and-next-year kind of guy versus the development uh, guy. Which makes sense because, one, as a coaching staff, you have to win now or you're going to be fired. That's just how it is for any team, right? And then, two, you're in the Big 12. It's going to be so hard. BYU has never competed in a league where it's this tough at this sport except men's volleyball and the MPSF where every single team they were playing, like seven out of eight weeks, every eight week, was a ranked team in the top ten kind of situation, right? Big 12, you're going to have a top 50 team, top 75 team coming in all the time. So BYU does not have time to wait for that kind of kid like they used to. They have to win now and go and get more of these guys.
2: Here's the silver lining to that thought. I believe that BYU has the guy that – is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is a return missionary, and has now played his freshman season at BYU in place to offer some continuity on that guard line, specifically Dallin Hall. You brought up T.J. Haas. T.J. was a guy that had been in the program for four years. Dallin's going to be that guy, in my opinion. I do not expect him to leave BYU. I hope he does not leave BYU at any point. I expect him to be here for at least three to four years. So that does help out... And having a guy that is there and expects to be here and is part of what Jerem just brought up while you have some other new pieces entering the fold. So I, I like that Dallin is there and he fits that description and is a guy that signed out of high school, went on his mission, and, it, and I feel like is going to be at BYU through like the first three to four years of Big 12 play.
0: Trevin Nell as well, Richie Saunders in the mix. It's not like these guys won't be there. I'm just saying who BYU brings in year-to-year year is going to be way more transfer portal than it will be freshman out of high school because that guy is more ready to go. And you have to win. It's not like Mark Pope can be like, well, in four years. No, he, he has to make at least the NIT this year to alleviate any kind of undue pressure. And then they probably need to make the NCAA tournament in the next two years.
1: I, I do want to talk about Dalen Hall. I, I am going to talk about Quez, but let, let's. since you brought up Dallin Hall, I think that's one thing I don't like about bringing Quez in, in a way, because it's just like, does that mean he's going back to the bench? I mean, he started for a good portion last year, yeah. and he made some fantastic plays. Now, he also played like a return missionary freshman at times. But I, I just look at that, and I'm like— Ooh, do I really want Dallin Hall going back to the bench for how well he played and, and the progress he made? That's that's the only part of the Quez situation. By the way, if Quez becomes really good, I think we should just call it the Quez situation. Now I'm just <laughs> the on that. Quez Love. Uh, yeah, we could go with Quez there. Love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's the one thing that kind of worries me. What do you think, Spencer?
2: I feel like Mark Pope's going to figure out a way to have Dallin Hall play close to starter minutes, even if he is not starting. We saw this happen with Dallin and Rudy Williams. Rudy was brought in to be the guy. Turned out he was not playing well at the beginning of games, and it became a scenario where he was a needed boost and spark off the bench. And frankly, we saw Dallin and Rudy on the floor together at times when BYU needed two ball handlers against teams that had a little bit more extended pressure. And and BYU was having trouble taking care of the ball at times. I think there will be scenarios where we see Dallin and Quez on the floor at the same time, depending on the situation that you are facing in the defense and the pressure that they are putting up against BYU. But if Dallin is the first guy off the bench as a sophomore, that it's fine by me. Quez is one and done. If he's the guy, clearly he's coming in with all the experience to be a guy and be a more prominent scorer. I don't think that's going to impact and affect Dallin Hall as negatively as some fans are worried about. I I want him on the floor a lot, too. I feel like Mark Pope is good enough to get Dallin Hall significant minutes and that he will still be a prominent part of what BYU needs and wants to do on the guard line, Um, especially in those scenarios where you need two different ball handlers. And Dallin is an alpha, right? I mean, he has... He's won a couple of games. He's hit some huge shots. He's earned the right to feel like he deserves that significant playing time. I so I, I if if he's coming off the bench, I don't anticipate that it won't be for at least you know twenty to twenty-two minutes a game.
1: The guy who is coming in, we've just talked about. His name's Quez Glover. I I've only been able to see highlights of him. It's not like I've watched complete games of him playing and I so I can't break down as how well he plays on defense or how he plays on the pick and roll what I've seen from the highlights I like I like that he can score at three three levels I like that he has a body type that he can bounce off uh a different guys again I don't know how how well he plays defense but you guys you interviewed him recently on BYU Sports Nation your thoughts on Quez Glover as he comes in and he hopefully or maybe takes over this team
0: yeah, I think they're bringing in him in to start. That would be my guess. But so was Rudy Williams, right? If Quez Glover comes in and turns it over too much, Dalen Hall is your starter right away. Like it, you, you need both in the Big 12. Um, he has a skill set that BYU didn't have last year, which is super quick off the dribble, yep. can create his own shot. I would call him a two and a half level scorer because he doesn't shoot a ton of threes. Uh, shot it uh, fine, um, you know, from three. But he shot more twos and free throws than threes in his career. As a junior, he was really good. He had a a meniscus tear, a senior that held him out for about two months. But as a junior, he averaged 19 a game, first-team all-conference in the SOCON, 26 nationally in assist rate. Last year as a senior, his 15.9% turnover rate would have led BYU. So he takes care of the basketball, which is the thing that plagued BYU. And uh, he's an experienced (laughs) guy, started at Florida in the SEC, and now he comes into BYU as potentially the starting point guard. I like it a lot because when BYU entered the offseason, I said, Who's going to be the other point guard? You have to replace Rudy Williams specifically in that place, and I think that's about as good as a, of a player as you could hope.
2: I've said this on BYU Sports Nation. The thing I like most about Quez Glover and another of the players that you're going to bring up in a moment, Cleon, is now they have multiple options for guys that feel comfortable having the ball in their hands in the critical moments. In late-game scenarios, in a crunch, you need to get a shot, especially Quez. He can manipulate a defense kind of the way that Chris Paul does to get an open shot in a tight space. He's really good at that, and he wants to take the big shot. And I feel like BYU needs more than just a gamer in Dallin Hall to you know go to the hoop and make a play. And and have to hit a game winner. I I like that Down Hall has some support in that role, and then they're getting some more guys that want the ball in their hands in big big time scenarios. Shot clock winding down, game clock winding down. Who's going to be your guy that goes and gets it? I feel like he's a guy that can do that for BYU. When we
1: come back, we dive into the other playmakers who will play for the Cougars next season. Welcome back to Behind the Mic. We're talking portal players for the BYU men's basketball team with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. I said one of the things that BYU needed going into the offseason was they needed at least one playmaker. It feels like they may have gotten two playmakers, and who Spencer was just referring to is Dawson Baker. He's coming over from... Elder
0: Baker. Elder
1: Baker coming over from UC Irvine. And this guy really can provide some offense. He's 6'4". He can score from anywhere on the court. Maybe I'm wrong, and he'll probably come in here and smack me around. But he's not the quickest guy in the court, but he's crafty, and he can get his shot off. And yep. I think that's all that really matters. Uh, he can get to the basket, mid-range shot. He can make three-pointers. BYU needs guys who, who can make three-pointers. So Baker seems like he's a nice compliment to Quez. What do you think?
2: He creates a lot of fouls, and he's a good free-throw shooter. And I like that about his game. And, yeah, he's not the quickest guy. Clearly, Glover is going to be the dude that brings the quickness to the floor. But Baker is a guy that is probably going to average somewhere between 11 and 14 a game. And it might be that half of those points are from the free throw line. I have no problem with that. Manufacture the points. He's crafty. You used the right word. He's crafty. And he's a little bit wily in his ability to draw a defender into him and create that contact. Um, I like his physicality at the hoop. I think he has he has the ability to finish at a high level through contact. I know BYU coaches are huge on that is the toughness to finish and play through contact. I think he does that for BYU. And yeah, I, I, don't, I don't care how you get the points if you can be consistent and you shoot, you know, eighty five percent. From the free throw line, good grief. Get him the ball in his hands, let him go to the hoop and work and draw a foul and make some free throws.
0: To quantify a top 200 nationally in fouls drawn. Like one of the better guys had drawn a foul, get into the line. Two years of eligibility, which is nice. So he's not a one-and-done guy. 37% from three last year. I like a champion, too. He's the leading scorer on the Big West regular season champs. They didn't win the tourney, so they went to the NIT. But a guy that was the leading scorer on a on a good team. Um and he understands what BYU is as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's been on a mission. He now joins, um, you know, guys like him who understands what it's like to be like a 23-year-old junior in college, and uh, so he's he's excited to be here. We we chatted with him on BYU Sports Nation. I had a good good time talking to him.
1: I think another big question with bringing him in. I again, when I said they need a playmaker, I wasn't expecting them to get two. So I'm like, oh, so how's this going to play out with? Again, I go back to rotations. How is this going to play out with rotation? I know it's up to Mark Pope, but you look at some of the other guys. You're going to hopefully have a healthy Trevin Nell coming back this mm-hmm. season. He's a three-point shooter. you got Spencer Johnson, who can do some some good things for you. started this past year. He's also come Great off the bench, too. Great three-point shooter. Uh, Unbelievable year. Richie Saunders, who got used to playing time. And what you love about Richie Saunders is maybe he's not making all of his shots, but, man, that guy is just all over the floor. Energy. He, he's he's Mr. Energy mm-hmm. on, on that floor. On the other hand, Saunders does play a little bit of three. Um, maybe he plays four. I don't know. if they. I guess I could go super small if they more wanted two, three, to. Yeah. yeah, probably more three. You got Jackson Robinson in there. He's a little taller. He's probably going to play, play two, three also. Um, I, I think it's just going to be really interesting at the wing, and I, I kind of see the vision also, and maybe I'm wrong, but I see the vision of what Mark Pope wants from his team. Is that kind of what you're getting to with all these wing players that they have too?
0: I think they still want a big... Because they only have you know three at this point still, I think you need a fourth, um, and they're actually over one on scholarships. So someone's going to be off scholarship that isn't currently. But that's the game that you play. Everything's year to year, um, and and BYU has a lot of uh, backcourt players. Ten of the fourteen, I would say eight of the eight of those ten are kind of twos or threes. Uh, Noah Waterman's kind of a three and a half. When people say he's a post player or a big, he's not. Just treat him like he's 6'8", as opposed to 6'11", and then you understand better. But also, this team's old. Like, uh, I want to say 10 of the 14 are juniors or seniors, or even seniors with only one year of eligibility. Only two players have only one year of eligibility. Yeah, so
2: way. upperclassmen heavy.
0: Yes, which is great. Because that was one issue last year is Dallin Hall was asked as a return missionary to come out and have to play. It did help his development. But it probably was detrimental to sort of how the season played out because you were asking Richie and Dallin off a mission to play significant minutes. I don't think that's – that's rarely a good thing. Ideally, they are playing insignificant minutes, developing, and then when it's their turn, they're ready. I think that was part of the issue last year. But those guys had good minutes when they came in, which is great. Um, I'm excited to see kind of a veteran team that's been there that has something to prove in the Big 12, that has guys who have played at the – kind of the the outside-the-power-six-in-basketball level who now are Big 12 players um, in in these three transfers. I think it's going to be exciting. I think the team is better than last year. Um, The only variable that we kind of don't know, obviously, is these guys together, but also, like, how hard will the Big 12 be? We know it's going to be crazy tough in men's hoops. We know it's going to be tough in football and so on. That's the part we don't know. Like, the game-to-game, week-to-week situation of that, how much attrition does that uh, you know require of BYU?
2: I, I think that BYU is probably going to feel comfortable going 10 to 11 players deep, especially early in the season. Don't be surprised to see Mark put out as many as 12 guys through the entirety of non-conference play. When you get into Big 12 play, I would imagine, because he's done this in years past, he would prefer to have that rotation down to 9 or 10, but they should feel comfortable in going 10 deep on the regular. Jerram, and, and that's deeper than most teams. Yes. Most teams are kind of oh, yeah.
0: in the 8 spot. Yeah, yeah.
2: Jerem brought up Noah Waterman. I think he's another guy that's going to have a hard time finding minutes on the floor right now with the way that things have gone in the transfer portal. Maybe they want to or need to utilize him and his size down low because the he is 6'11". If there is foul trouble at some point, yes, and he can make threes. That's In fact, that's why they brought him in is because of how tall he is and his ability to stretch defense because of the clip that he shot the three-pointer at before he came to BYU, but those numbers took a pretty significant dip last year, and it just didn't work out. Um, So I feel like he, he kind of is pushed down the roster a little bit, but yeah, BYU should feel confident in rolling out 10 guys. On the regular, when they get into league play, because of all of the experience they have,
0: and we'll see what kind of you know opponents BYU plays. Where if they have two bigs on the court and on the second unit, that's where BYU is lacking that backup four. Because he probably, and we're in unison on the potential starting lineup of uh, Glover, Robinson, uh, Spencer Johnson, Johnson Foos, and Khalifa. That's probably as of today, You're starting five with a really strong bench. Uh, now you're bringing down Dallin Dallin Hall,
2: and Hall and Dawson Baker.
0: And Trevin Nell.
2: And Trevin Nell all out there at to six, at- seven, eight.
0: And is now a junior as well, and perhaps Noah Waterman as kind of your. Richie Saunders your other is five. in that mix as well. See, yeah, Richie, Richie, I said nine or 10. Richie and Tanner are kind of 11, 12 at this point, which is wild. But again, it's May; it's not November when they start. Playing.
1: It's interesting. My starting lineup was just a little bit different, but I think I and I don't want to get to Ali here in a second. But I think I look at this team, and it feels like to me, you've got your low post presence and Foose, and then you got a bunch of shooters and passers around him. Yes. And I know Ali can play down low too, but it feels like it's almost like a, it could be a four out offense on a lot of nights for yes. this
0: team. And let's talk about Khalifa and how he plays into that. Yeah. So a 6'11 guy who's not a shot blocker whatsoever. He is he is a guy who wants to shoot threes. 41% of his shots are threes. Can finish with both hands at the rim, though, which is good. Uh, 38% shooter from three. And he made 48. It's not like you put That's, up, like, 13. Yes. He made 48. And um, he's
2: an incredible passer to boot.
0: Unbelievable passer. 2.7 assists per game as a, as a five is a monster number. That is bigger than than several of the guards on the BYU team. That number, which is exciting. And he was the 89th best player in the portal at the time when BYU got him from ESPN. So BYU got uh, a unique skill set guy. Now, if you wanted the Harms shot blocker guy, he's not that guy. But Harms wasn't the three-point shooter passer. Like, Khalifa is an elite passer. Yep. So BYU can run uh, kind of a unique offense that way. Foos will finally get matchups with fours, opponent fours, not opponent fives, where they have six or seven inches of height on him, granted he's 7'2 wingspan. And last year, Mark Pope told me one time, he said, don't think of Foose as a six five and a half guy, which is his actual height, by the way. Think of him in his wingspan as a 7'2 guy.
1: Mark Pope called last season, I- I'm going to probably mess it up, but I think he called it a grand experiment, or an experiment at least, mm-hmm. yep. with this
0: season. And from the beginning, he was open about that.
1: Yeah, no, he, he-, he was. How do you think uh, you could call this season experiment 2.0 mm-hmm.
0: because big 12
1: yeah exactly exactly three new guys entering the big 12 this could th- by the way this team could be better and they could still lose a lot of games in conference just because the big 12 could end up being a really really tough conference we should play, all just plan so. on that they happening. will
0: yeah they will have a losing record in conference i guarantee it that doesn't mean they're not good th- that league is so tough like if BYU somehow went 500. That would exceed my expectations. If they by went like five hundred in four or five games,
2: they would be a top twenty-five basketball team nationally. If you yes. go five hundred in that league,
0: there are teams like Iowa State, for example, went seven and eleven in the league, eleven seed in the NCAA tournament, went to the Sweet Sixteen. If somehow BYU can go six and twelve in league and have a really good non-conference and then win one game in Kansas City at the NCAA tournament, they walk into a Selection Sunday with nineteen wins and probably more quad one wins than they've had in the last three seasons. Because the schedule is so tough. We're going to, you're walking into a different, this isn't an analogy I can uh, understand, but Jason Shepard could. We're walking (laughs) into a different weight room. We want to put up more weight on the bar, but have the same amount of reps. We're not going to have the same amount of reps, AKA wins. But the strength of the schedule is going to be so good that the committee will at least consider BYU should they have 18 or more wins.
1: I guess I just look at this and I'm like, how is Experiment 2.0 going to go? I'm I'm actually really excited to (laughs) kind of see how this all goes. I I just still – my big thing is how are they going to – with the new players, how are they all going to gel and get together so that by the time – I mean, for me, I think, yes, you want to have a good non-conference season because you want those wins to kind of build up. So you're showing, hey, we're a good team. We're going to go play in a tough conference. I also wonder, though – if they might experiment a little more, so that when they get into conference too, we'll we'll see how things go. Let and me th- tell you how
0: they're going to jail. They have a foreign trip this summer. This will help. It matters, lot. and it, yeah. it usually is a good where thing. They're going, but they yep. are going on a foreign trip. Those this summer.
2: typically like for, and you can place whatever stock you want into this. But coaches, regardless of the sport, especially in basketball, will always point to the foreign trip as being like this turning point and this, this beneficial experience that the team needed so that they could win some important games later in the season. You ready
0: for it? After 2018-19, BYU doesn't make the NIT. Dave Rose retires. Crap had hit the fan. BYU hires Mark Pope. They go to Italy yep. with Alex Barcello, who they had just signed, and they have this special season. Going on a foreign trip does not mean you have a special season but it helps bring a team together that perhaps has the ingredients to be good.
1: A big thanks to Spencer and Jerem. Download and subscribe to Behind the Mic wherever you find podcasts or listen to all episodes on the BYU Radio app. Behind the Mic is a production of BYU Radio.